Welcome to the Living Jewishly Podcast. I'm Dr. Elliot Malamud. I'm Rabbi Yossi Saperman. And I'm Rabbi Bluth. We talk about Judaism, and we talk about living, and we talk about everything in between. And what it means to be Jewish and human in today's world. Judaism is not nearly as boring as I thought it was. We're not selling you on Judaism. We're not selling you on living. We're just trying to get you inside of our brains, the way we think about stuff. And the way we feel about stuff. And we'll try to be as real as possible. By getting you into our Jewish brain, you'll argue a lot, you'll disagree, you'll love, you'll eat, you'll have a really good time, you'll learn a lot of things, and you know what? You might actually find that all those 3,000 years have been worth it. And maybe we'll even come out being better people for it. Welcome to Living Jewishly Podcasts. You are listening to What's in Your Toolbox, a monthly podcast on mental health. I am your host, Bobby Kay, a comedian, mental health advocate, and executive producer of the documentary No Magic Bullet, an honest discussion on mental health. Well, everybody, welcome to the fourth episode of What's in Your Toolbox. My guest today is a good friend of mine. Angela Sunis. Angela was born and raised in Scarborough. She's a theater healing practitioner and author of Angela Sunis's has written a trilogy of successful books called Different from the Other Kids, a book of interviews for parents of challenging children. So there's nothing better than to talk about that different than the other kids, because I certainly was different than the other kids. And you, our listeners, might know someone. Who is different? You might be different. And that's the key for a toolbox. I met Angela in 2016. We're going to talk about that, but we did three sessions. The first one was crazy. Is it a nickname or diagnosis? The second one was the dark room. And the third one, funny enough, was toolbox. We also caught up in 2017 and in 2020. So I'm so happy to be able to be catching up once again with my friend, Angela Sunis. Always oh. a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Bob. Hello, hello. Now listen, <laughs> I was originally going to call this role reversal because you're usually running the podcast and interviewing me. So we're going to try it a different way this time. Is that all right? That's good. Sure. Well, listen, Angela, let's talk. Uh, I'm interested in letting our listeners know sort of how our world collided in January 2016. Okay. Well, I was at a party. I was invited to a 60th birthday party of a friend, one of my friend's boyfriends, who has become a friend of mine as well. And I turned around. There was uproarious laughter within this one small group. And I turned around and we caught each other's eye. And you made some offside comment to me. I can't remember what it was. And then you passed me a card. And yeah. that I will, that I will not forget. It's a little business card. You'll have to remind me of exactly what it said. But it, I thought originally, Bob, honestly, because you're a stand-up, I thought you may have been joking about what with the contents of that card, but you were not. So the card, the card basically, maybe we launched that to, way. I wish to apologize for our behavior on I leave it blank <laughs> because <laughs> as we have discussed during our podcast, you know, I have Tourette's and tend to act sometimes or a lot inappropriately. No, yeah, but it was it was very funny, and in the confines of the conversation at a party, it was great. It was it was it was good fun. But I actually didn't realize that you were being half serious until we spoke later. 
Well, we spoke later. First thing, I, I tried my set on you that I was doing for uh, Laughing Like Crazy, and you laughed. So I figured if I could make you laugh, I can make anybody laugh. Then uh, you asked me to sit down. You came to my apartment, and we did our set of interviews. And it, that's when, I guess, you got enlightened as to um, my challenges. And I got enlightened to your challenges because mm -hmm. you told me a little bit about why you started DFOC different than the other kids, your daughter, some of the other people. So tell us a little bit about different than the other kids. Well, different from the other kids started because this was, God, I'm trying to go back now. I'm going to say it was 2013-ish, 2012, somewhere in there. My daughter was diagnosed with uh, bipolar disorder and I was a fish out of water. She was in a manic episode. She had been taken to hospital under some very challenging circumstances. And I was a fish out of water, as I say. I really didn't know how to parent this child. I didn't know what even any of this meant. So I started to interview people quite innocently, just gathering information because it has exploded now. The whole scene on mental health, everyone understands it differently. We're getting somewhere with it. At that time, there was really nothing. I went searching for coaching. I went searching for help, for resources. There was very little on there. So I started to interview and then I started to record them. And I thought, how do I disseminate this information to people? And I went on the holistic side as best I could, which seemed to be the route that we went down naturally. And I started to record them. And then I started to make them into a podcast with people in the mental health field that I was looking for information from. So it might be a psychologist. It may have been then I went into kind of more of the holistic stuff. So then there was natural paths. There were energy healers. There were sound healers. There were meditative people. So that's the route that we went down. And I just wanted to disseminate the information. And from the podcast, what I was told was to really get traction as far as people being able to listen or watch or get this information was to put it into a book format. So I did that myself. This is a completely self-funded project, different from the other kids. And that's the reason, actually, that I wasn't able to kind of continue it. I should have set it up differently so that I could funnel a little bit of cash in there to keep it going. I'm trying to figure that out now on how do I how I keep that podcast going. But yeah, that that's the whole history of different from the other kids. Well, listen, you know what? It's fantastic because the wording in four simple words, you've said it all different than the other kids. And I can tell you because this is called What's in Your Toolbox. And it's done through Living Jewishly, whose motto is, you know, live a better and fuller life. The question is, you have different than the other kids, and I call this what's in your toolbox. And those are two really simple terms. And for the people that are listening, you know, whether you have a son and a daughter that's different than the other kids, maybe yourself or your spouse or partner different than the other kids, maybe you have a niece and nephew, maybe you have a friend, you have a work, anybody that's different than the other kids might not just be a bad actor, but might be somebody that has some issues. Right. Now, and kid, and kid doesn't necessarily mean that they're young. Different from the other kids actually can translate into anybody across all, all spectrums of things, whether it's age or whether it's however you want to try and frame it. There is no frame for it, really. It's for everybody. Well, the nice thing, Angela, is that you and I are talking from lived experience. We've been through this. And that's really what this is all about, is why we're qualified to talk to people about this. Now, you also have been so helpful in with me, and you participated in my documentary, No Magic Bullet. I went out to 
a very special place on a ferry. And you met me on Toronto Island and you interviewed me. But that was a little bit about my toolbox. And one of the things that you did say was, oh, my God, those sunsets. Ah, yes. So tell me a little bit about not only what's in your toolbox, past, present and future. I have so many things in my toolbox. I think maybe I should go back just a little bit, though, and tell you why I needed the toolbox. Other than Christina, who was going through a very difficult time at different times in my home, she really had had a hard time from the time she was six. I myself, during a period of time dealing with Christina and in a marriage that wasn't working for me, I ended up with a a lot of issues. I had panic disorder. I had general anxiety disorder. I had all different kinds of medications that I was taking for sleep, for calm, for a whole, you start going down that raft of things. And I was on it, lorazepam's for last minute uh, panic and all that kind of stuff. And I also, as much as when I started down this journey, I wasn't in that same spot. I certainly understand it like you do, more like you do, Bob, as somebody as lived experience, as well as dealing with Christina in trying to help her. We're trying to just move off of the scale of pharmaceuticals. I believe pharmaceuticals save people's lives every day. I am not at all anti, but I do believe that there's a time and place for it. And I do believe that instead of getting into this realm of, okay, here's your medication, you're supposed to take it for the rest of your life. Can we work with this a little bit, try and bring the meds down, try and bring up some of the holistic stuff to help people to deal on their own without having to lean on that crutch of pharmaceuticals, which create a whole bunch of dis-ease in the body that you have to deal with as far as side effects are concerned. So that's the lived experience that I have. So your question was, what's in my toolbox? I have completely rearranged my life for my toolbox. So I believe wholeheartedly in things like meditation. There is a great guy that I listen to who has an amazing meditative series and his name is Dr. Wiseman and I recommend him highly to anybody that is seeking. There's also, you can go on YouTube for free and get a a bunch of meditations, early meditations. That is absolutely one of them. Food, absolutely, is one of them eating clean, taking out the whites and the gluten and uh, all the chemicals that you can. All of the chemicals that you can, whether you realize they're not, all the chemicals that we're taking in right now actually affect our brain and actually can put us into the state of not having enough amino acids and not having enough hormones and chemicals and things like that to actually get the brain to fire properly while I'm on that. Green clean, another big one, trying to get the chemicals out of your environment. I went wholly into a lot of essential oils and a lot of natural products, whether it's facial toner that is now witch hazel instead of the actual facial toner that I would have gotten from Shoppers Drug Mart. Switch that all up. I completely changed my life. I had a house and children and I sold everything. Like not the children. The children moved out on their own, but the house I sold, all of the trappings of the house I sold. And I went to go live on a tiny home, which is a float home houseboat in a marina just off of the downtown section of Toronto. So I have gone to great lengths to make sure that I have taken out all of the noise as best I can. I'm also very much involved in limiting my opportunities, my abilities to get on social media. That is a big force for me presently. I just don't think that it serves. If you are different from the other kids, it really doesn't serve you. There's a lot of stuff going on on social that can be quite divisive and quite difficult. And it's that trigger all the time of go, 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 that stimulation. You don't want to have that so many times a day and you don't want to have it for so many hours a day. I'm finding great relief in coming off social hard. I'm going to say I'm probably down about 85, 90%. Big 
shift, big difference. So those are my, those are just kind of my big ones. I'll come up probably as we talk, I'll probably have more, but yeah, just generally, oh, my latest thing, Bob, that you and I haven't talked about is amino acids. Amino acids are absolutely imperative for your body's ability to manufacture those hormones and chemicals, dopamine, those kinds of things to get into, to allow your brain to actually sit straight, if you know what I'm saying. So I've, I've just started with that. The reason I started with that is that Christina started to go through a hard time again through the lockdowns and the mandates. So I started going into this amino acid end of things. It has made a huge difference for her. She was sinking for months, quite a few months there. She was quite depressed. She's moving now. She's moving. She's working. She's doing what she needs to do. I actually believe for sure that there's a lot of amino acids there that we've got three of them that we're working on with her. Two of them are the same amino acids that were used by a holistic doctor, a naturopathic doctor that was working with a kid that started this, my second series of books. His name is Atticus. He was working with this doctor, Dr. Prowski, and Dr. Prowski started to replace his pharmaceuticals with natural supplementation. Two of them that I am utilizing now are originally the information came from Dr. Prowski and my young friend Atticus and Atticus now, as well as off all his meds and is traveling the world, even though his family really were concerned that he wasn't even going to be able to hold a job or even get his driver's license. So he has done really well. Christina is doing really well on all of this stuff. And I've started on it. And there is a big difference. Uh, I just found myself sinking a little bit as far as resiliency, sleep, things like that. I'm also menopausal, not helpful when you're trying to balance out your brain chemicals. But the amino acids, I'm going to say that's a that's a big one. Well, listen, the, the key to this series that I'm doing with my guests like yourself is what's in your toolbox. Now, you know, the first time it was fly fishing. Then we had somebody that was a world-class weightlifter that was a special needs person. The last person loved the water. And so what's in your toolbox is that you're discovering a natural alternative. But Angela, just the fact that you have these books and these podcasts, that's a toolbox. Cause that's absolutely. And that's the kind of stuff that I want to explore because we're trying to stimulate people out there to understand that even though they don't have or they might not have a toolbox, they really do. It's just sort of hidden. So they just need to concentrate on some of the things they have to be more conscious of when they're in a situation, what it feels like. Because if they can actually take that gauge, how do I feel one out of 10 anxiety wise right now? If you can do that, then you can kind of say, Ooh, you know what? I'm at a two. I, I actually think I might need to do something. So maybe I need to pull out an essential oil and aromatherapy. Maybe I need to stop, pull over, kick the seat back and hit three minutes of meditation. It will depend entirely upon who you are and what is in your toolbox, what you like to utilize, what feels good for you. So let me talk to you a little bit about what's in my toolbox to try to see if we can dig up some. I love that. I'm, I'm curious because I know what your last toolbox was. And you and I are kind of similar toolboxes. Everybody's going to be completely unique. So you've graduated up and switched it over a little bit. So what do you got in there? Well, let me see if I can dig some out of you because, as <laughs> you know, the sunset was a toolbox for me. For sure. For sure. Mindfulness. It's something where it took seven years to be my friend. It's something that is key to me. Being in nature, just like you being on the island, is key to me. It's relaxing cooking. I love cooking because it keeps my crazy monkey brain busy. I'm just yeah. cooking this for this week. I'm cooking a Ukrainian dish 
which is a honey cake. And it call is everything. It's a European recipe and everything's in grams and ounces. And I put in 12 cups of sugar of flour, but it should have only have been 12 ounces. So <laughs> I've got to start up. And again, this is the kind of stuff. So tell me a little, and of course, gardening I had, and fly I fishing. Had so tell yeah. me, tell me a little bit about either you, Christina, or other people in your book. Do any of them have monkey brains? All. I have a terrible monkey brain constantly. I have, I have trouble sleeping. I still have, I'm still working on it. That is a work in progress to sleep. But yeah, that monkey brain, it will knock you out. But what we need to, and what I constantly am telling my own self is we can choose these thoughts, but it takes a lot of mental fortitude and a lot of mental clarity to actually get to the state of being able to be clear about your thoughts and put them into a different thought. So the only way I feel as though I'm getting there with it, that I'm actually progressing through it is affirmations. So I will go through a situation at nighttime. It seems that I get creeped up on with a lot of pretty difficult thought processes. Uh, they loop. They just kind of keep going. It's as if I can have like four screens up at the same time and they don't stop that monkey brain of rolling around and, and repeating. So I start with the positive affirmations, whatever it is that it is. If I'm having a bad thought about thinking, okay, well, I'm, I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in the house that I'm in in the winter and something catastrophic is going to happen. I just am convinced something catastrophic is going to happen. The affirmation might be, I am safe in my environment. I thrive here. Something as simple as that. Repeat, repeat, repeat. What that does to that monkey brain is beat it back. In my experience, seems to beat it back. So at least it neutralizes so that it isn't constantly niggling at my head with catastrophic thought. Well, I'm a catastrophic thinker as well. <laughs> yeah. And the thing I use, and this is more like a conversation than a, an interview, is is that when I can find something that turns hours into minutes, mm. that a success for me. And for me, that's fly fishing. For me, that's taking sunsets. For me, that's cooking. For me, that's talking to you because I just love talking to you. Uh, Great conversation. The other thing, Bob, that I, if I may interject, uh, I started last summer. I'm trying to learn to garden. Right. And, and, and what I'm finding, it's quite hilarious because I have to learn to get in the groove of the earth with it. Because what I'm finding is I go and dump water and I, it's in the middle of, you know, very dry season and I go to dump water. Well, I'm dumping, I'm not being patient. So that's, it's a part of the learning process of, do you like this thing? Do you want to encourage this thing to grow? Do you want to be gentle with it? You just don't throw water at it. You lovingly and quietly and, and gently throw water at it instead of what I was doing. It's just dumping it in. Tomatoes are coming out all split because the uptake of the water is too fast for the plant. So I'm learning all of these things. It's quite fun. But yes, it is slowing me down. I will tell you for sure that is a good meditative one. So those, as well as cooking. Cooking's another great one. Yeah. Those are what we're trying to stimulate for our listeners to understand that even though you and I both have been through therapy and CBT and meds yep. and all that stuff, <laughs> there's other things that we add to our toolbox that help us get through it day by day. And I'll repeat myself. I think the activity that you did putting together those books, being the number one bestseller on Amazon and your podcasts and the events that you do are part of your toolbox. And I think just the fact that you're so happy when you get on that ferry to go out to your 
<laughs> new, your new house is yep. part of your is part of your toolbox. Oh, it absolutely is. And I took a page from your book, Bob. So Which you started. Well, you started doing the sunsets, which right. are absolutely beautiful. I was like, huh. I end up with this iPhone that actually has a nice camera on it, and I start farting around, and I am having a blast as well, taking photographs all in nature. All of my photographs, almost exclusively, are nature shots. So they're sunrises, sunsets, they're birds, they're lake shots, they're, oh my God, the trees, so many different kinds of trees, creatures of all different kinds. I actually started to, I started to actually feed the birds. That's another one that you can throw into your toolbox. I have this weird now association and affinity for all the birds. So I bring over, oh my God, the amount of bird seed is ridiculous. Bring the bird seed over and I just can sit and watch the birds in the morning. It gives me such great joy. I bring my work outside now. That's really important too. Good toolbox item as well. Trying to be living outside as much as possible. So I sit underneath the tree on a picnic bench, pull up my computer. As long as I've got connectivity, I'm good. And I, I sit there and just do my work outside. That also is a big game changer. Just spending time outside, fresh air, sunshine, huge. Being with the creatures, being out in the elements, playing, seeing the squirrels. Oh my gosh, the ducks come up and talk to me. We have names for all the ducks. They're our friends. They come up, they get fed along with the rest of the airborne birds. And it's, 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 it's a beautiful way to live your life, to be connected to the earth. The earth has its own, Mother Earth has her own Carcadian rhythm. And the more that we are in it, the happier and more settled our brains will be. Well, you know that. Sunset Bob has a website and I donate money to mental health for people that buy my sunsets. But, you know, sunsets are good for your mental health. And I have some quotes here. Tranquility is a sense of peace and quiet. An example is the feeling you have while sitting under a starry sky, listening to the crickets, or in my case, watching a sunset. And there's another one here. I know being outdoors, enjoying the sun rays and seeing a sunset are good for your physical and mental health. Being attuned to the natural beauty of sunsets can improve a person's emotional well-being, according to a study from the University of California at Berkeley. Fuck, right on. So there you go. Now, listen, I want to ask you, you already talked about Atticus. Uh, What about any of the other people that uh, you had interviewed? Have any of them? Can you just give us a little glimpse? An update? Yeah, an update on any of them that, uh, that are winning. Okay. This is all about. Sure. We spoke to my friend Shelly, who had a, a young uh, son who was uh, struggling through school, was having a difficult time showing up. She couldn't seem to get a, help him get his GED. He's actually doing great. He, his school just wasn't for him. He was quite depressed. He was quite OCD. He's done very well. He actually just went out. Uh, he didn't get his GED, but my friend had encouraged her son to go and just get a job, and he did in a factory. He's already some kind of a manager there. He's done very, very well. And that's another kid that has just done very well figuring out his own toolbox. Somebody like, as I say, he's the world traveler now. He's been all over the world. He's right now stationary in uh, Vancouver, if I remember correctly. And he's got a girlfriend and he's just, he's just a lovely guy. He's another one who's quite into photography, but he was successful at getting off his meds and utilizing all of his outdoors all the time. His photography is exceptional. He's outdoors and he's a chef in a restaurant there. He's done just super, just super, super well. Christina, as well, as I say, I mean, it's a struggle. She's, it's not like it's easy. It's not like she can wake up every day and be able to rely on her moods being 
uh, stable and there are days she can take two to three hours, depending on the struggle, two to three hours to write herself before she starts her day. It, it is, it gets to that point, but she, she's doing so well. She is working now, works in the energy healing side of things. She's also a stretch therapist and a personal trainer. So she's been doing a lot of stuff online. She's done very, very well. I'm trying to think of uh, you, of course, are doing exceptionally well. You figured out your stuff uh, like I have in what we need to make sure that we're feeling safe and comfortable and not overstimulated. Well, you know, those, are the, those are the ones I'm just trying, thinking about right now. Well, let's segue into, I coined this phrase, the BAST, Bob's Amazing Support Team, of which you are one. And I guess you would be an ast, not an ass, an ass. Angela's amazing support team. And you have been such a good supporter for me and for these other people. Who do you have in your support team? Ha, huh. it is a tough one. I remember you asked me this. I think you asked me this once before. And at the time, I was still missing, I still, I will always miss my mom. My mom was a great support to me, uh, for sure, all the way through all of this stuff and supporting me with Christina and supporting me through that uh, difficult challenge that I was having for a few years there in my old life. But I would have to say now I've got Christina and I are great support for one another. We are in constant contact and uh, we talk about a lot of stuff that probably other people wouldn't be interested in, wouldn't truly understand, uh, whether it's her going low or me researching something to go forward. That she's certainly part of my uh, support system. So is my daughter, Zoe. But I would have to say, yep, my partner, Mel, is probably my closest. I've got an excellent best friend. Her name is Christine. She's always, always just just like a rudder in the on a boat, just kind of writing, writing it all the way through all the time. I also have one more group of friends on a Thursday night. We've been getting together 28 years. There's six of us women, and we get together and we just chat. And I would have to say that to a certain extent, I mean, I don't share everything with all six of them. It's quite a journey. But having them there as a consistent social outlet and feeling safe is, is another, is another uh, great system of support. Well, that's, so what we're both saying to our, my listeners, our listeners, is that you have to continually have a support system and you have to continually add to them because they're one of the key tools that anybody can have in their toolbox. A little word of advice, Angela, if somebody that's listening to this thing, something's key to them, whether it's the naturopathic or uh, living on an island, a little bit of advice you can give to somebody that's struggling or that knows somebody that's struggling. Okay. If I may, first one would be as much as when you're in a bad situation, you always need to go or you feel like you need to go to authority and they become the word for the way that you're supposed to live your life. Don't buy it. Doctors are doing their very best, but they are not all knowing and they certainly are only beginning to scratch the surface of mental health. So as much as you want to believe, and we do believe in doctors and the healthcare system, you cannot take their word in mental health, I believe, as gold. You just can't. You always have to keep your mind going. Sit there and say, okay, well, hang on a second. Did I try this before? Did it work for me? How do I change this around? So number two would be leading from number one into number two, stay open. Listen to all the people that come before you that have worked this out for themselves. Find out what are in their toolbox. Find out what works for them. Because the more that you are exposed to what's in other people's toolbox, the better acquainted you will become with yours. 
you know, have all of those things that you can try yourself. I actually thought I was going to mention a, sh- a shameless plug eventually is I am working on a program for anxiety in the mental health sector that will become an app. And I just wanted to throw that out there. It is in the works. I don't have a name for it even yet. I have a ton of information I want to espouse through it. I would like people to be able to follow it through and keep track of things like minutes of meditation. I have a log for how their mentally, how their mental health is doing. I want them to be able to track their food, for instance, was at water. Big, huge thing. So that's the, that's the kind of thing. That's what I think you need to be. Just open your mind to it. Don't get too involved in the internet side of it, if only because there's a lot of misinformation and there's a ton of too much information. But talk to the people that have done well. Success leaves clues. That's all Success I Success leaves clues. Well, listen, people at the end of this podcast, there is an email that they can email. If you have any questions for Angela, please send them to me and I will forward them on to her. And That'd be great. Let, we will let you know about your app because that. And if you want, if you want to keep in touch with me, if anybody wants to, I have a website, Angela Sunis, but you'll just Google me. It'll come right up. T S O U N I S. And then I also, I'm, I am on social. As I say, it's quite slow these days. As long as you're not in a rush to talk to me, that's a, that's a venue as well. Because uh, as I say, I don't check in very often anymore, but it is an opportunity to uh, connect if you'd like. Well, speaking of talking, I just want to thank you so, so, so much for participating in What's in Your Toolbox and for this really open, honest discussion on mental health. So I wanted to say that this is Bobby Kay and Angela signing off and thanking so much for listening to What's in Your Toolbox. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much, Bob. I really appreciate it. This has been an excellent, excellent time. Everybody. If you know somebody different than the other kids, as I mentioned, you, your spouse, your kids, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, your friends, your friends, kids, that's something that we can help you with. It's interesting. Our first interview, Angela, was in 2016, and our last interview was 2020. And I think that not much proceeded very quickly. I just had a friend that had a hip put in, and it was like a hockey stick. They they now can do it in one day, and you're walking up the stairs. One day, I hope the mental health can do the same. Agreed. Here, here, Bobby. Here, here. Living Jewishly is about living a full and meaningful life, and that's what's in your toolbox. Is. So I want to leave on a positive note that I read an article that there's hope for natural species that are were in extinction. Hump whales and black blue whales are, are coming back, even the whooping cream. So whooping cream, sorry. Whooping cream's what I Whipping cream, see? That's I knew that was good. I, I was waiting for something, Bob. I was waiting for it. Baking, baking, baking. So anyways, that's the good news is that, you know, we all look for good things in our life and we really appreciate you guys listening. Our next episode is called The Videographer. So stay tuned and thank you so much for listening to What's in Your Toolbox. Thanks for listening to the Living Jewishly podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps more people like you find our show so that we can continue to grow the Living Jewishly community together. You can find us at livingjewishly.org and on YouTube and Instagram. Living Jewishly is living well with everyone.